Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm Mitch Michaels, and thanks again for joining us on this great, great edition of the sports podcast. A lot to talk about today. First off, I'm going to talk to the panda. Ian Dunn is back to break down the Wimbledon 2019 final between Federer and Djokovic that left us both a little sad, but was an epic that will not soon be forgotten. Djokovic, 16 majors. How close is he to getting to Fed's record of 20? We break down that match and more from the tournament, including the women's final that saw Simone Halp in her first major and what we expect from this summer and fall in the world of tennis. And then I'm going to talk to my buddy Ryan Souls about the Westbrook Harden trade, some boxing news, and the life and times of Pernell Whitaker, Sweet Pea as well. Don't want to miss that. It's Ian Dunn followed by Ryan Souls now on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, Money Mitch Effect. We're recapping Wimbledon. Had to do this episode. Thought it'd be a little happier tone. We're, we're in morning still. It's a little somber. Ian Dunn, the panda here. I almost couldn't come over, Mitch, just based on how I've been feeling the past few days. Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to get over. But, man, what a match. Match was great. Um, Federer loses to Djokovic. Djokovic wins his fifth Wimbledon title in five sets. 13-12 in the fifth. Our first... About the entire tournament in the first year, the first time we hit that 12-12 tie break. We'll get into that. Whew. But first time, I, you know, I had to think, too, the first time there's been a fifth set tie break, the U.S. Open was the only one that had it. Kind of a little curious to hear that there hadn't been one in, I think, 1970 was when they introduced yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. About 50 years that they never did a fifth set tiebreaker in the final. but so, Well, I mean, you think about how many five setters you see in majors, and you would think that that would happen at least one time, two times, three times. Yeah. But, I don't know, I guess it, it was just meant to be that, that this match with this tiebreak. Oh, you could say that. Destiny was almost fulfilled. Oh. Match lived up to the hype. I was skeptical going into it as a Federer guy. As yeah. I'm sure you were a little bit. I know you're going to convince yourself that he's going to win all the time. But yeah. there's playing Nadal. There's the any normal person, even someone as gifted with a racket or in their sport as Federer. There's that natural letdown of you just beat your biggest rival and yeah. now you have to play Djokovic. And Djokovic had, even for him, a relative cakewalk to the final. Definitely. Definitely. Again, thanks a lot, Sitsi, Zverev, young guys, for really showing up at Wimbledon. They had a nice couple weeks in London, but they weren't playing tennis. They were just sightseeing. Not what you want to be doing second week of a major. Here's the thing, and, and props to Djokovic. It's five Wimbledons. It's 16 majors. It's maybe the best run of his career, which is frightening. But Federer's there. I mean, it was, and I think this one, and I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think this one as a Federer fan, <laughs> having endured a lot of wins and a lot of losses, yeah. does this sting more than some of the other ones, more than the greatest match ever played, more than just getting drubbed at times? Four sets, but yeah. getting drubbed at times. This one, he's right there and was arguably the better player for most of it. I would say... This is number one. This this one hurts the most for me. I'm not going to put it ahead of Nadal 08 just because what we thought we knew. Yeah, just the, the thought, moment of 08 for we sure thought is a that bigger was moment. Over, that that was that. I mean, it's crazy that all three of these guys have lasted as long as they did, but the yeah. tennis hierarchy says you get to a point, mid to late 20s, the younger guy comes, and you might win a few more. Right. But I could see it being number two because he yeah. one more game is one more points, lost the match. It stings. 40-15 up. On your own serve. It, well, it reminded remember. me of the U.S. Open. Same thing, 40-15 up. 
It was worse than that for me. Oh, it's definitely worse than that, but it's the same. I mean, big returns, just slapping the ball. Fed like, oh. You know why it was worse? Because Fed played the points worse. Oh, he played so bad. What year was it? Was it 20... Was it 2010 where Joker had that ridiculous, I'm going to call it lucky to my grave? The forehand return? Yeah, yeah 2010. That's just, I was upset. It happens. It was just one of those things where it could have I was a freshman in college, and that one hurt. That one definitely hurt. But he played a lazy point. He came to the net on the second one. Joker passed him. He couldn't get his first serves in. Um, yeah, that was the bad moment. I will say this, though. If it's anybody else... We're getting broke immediately and losing at 10-8, right? To hold serve to make it 9-9, like, I probably wouldn't be able to oh, get the ball over the net. Oh, no <laughs> way you'd be able to get the ball, man. There, there's just... What's a guy like Dimitrov or Chilich doing in that stage? They're, they're double faulting four straight times. They're not making it to that far in the match, first of all. <laughs> in the tournament. Yeah, in the tournament even. But, yeah, that's that's a tough loss for Fed, man. He was He was right there. Probably the closest he's been to a major, not one, I would think. Just on his racket, 40-15, that deep. It felt, it felt like destiny, man. When he broke finally, coming back from 4-2 down in the fifth, when he broke back, I was like... And even that game, I think it was 30-11, oh. he won the last four points oh, man, with the passing was, shot. It was unbelievable breaking back, and at that moment I thought destiny was coming. He's going to come back like he did in 2017, Aussie Open final against Nadal down 3-1. I mean, it just felt like it was going to happen, and when he finally broke... You're, you're like on that passing shot. You're like, oh my god, it's gonna happen. And you and you psych yourself up, and you make yourself feel. You think about Fed holding the trophy. You think about all these things. Then you realize he's still gonna hold. I know. And can we talk about the crowd for a second? He's the most beloved tennis player of all time. Yeah. Nadal might be second at this point. Yeah. But. That was insane. Like even for Federer standards, how partisan the crowd oh, was. Oh, you knew they wanted him to. You they, could be watching like it in your kitchen without watching it and just listening. You know who won each yeah, point. Totally. There were people standing up and cheering nonstop. Every point, from the first ball to the end, it was. The match was great. The level was great. I think for Fed, you got to be happy that you beat Nadal in the semi. That's a big match for him. Good for the head-to-head, too. Always Always good. Always Always good good for the head-to-head, my man. Well, I would say as well, I mean, you know, it came down to, look, Joker won all his sets and tie breaks, super tie break and the other ones. What's the stat that we're going to look at? 11 unforced errors for Fed, zero for Joker. How many for Joker? Zero. Zero. Because I don't think he's human. It's nice when you can just go off the court and just reboot the system. We're so used to Fed doing that, though. We're so used to Fed doing that to everybody in the breakers. He's won he, the most tie breaks in the history of tie breaks. You know, Joker's so mentally tough now, it's scary because yeah. wins the first set tight, gets obliterated in the second, really comes well. back, guts out a third, gets obliterated in the fourth, gets it early in the fifth. Like, each time a new set started, he was just, just all right, whatever. sets, yeah. I mean, yeah, we see enough tennis. How many of these players just pack it in? Uh, the second they get broken deep in a match, it's over. Or, when they're serving for it, it's over. Just kind of like what Fed did. His, the points that Joker really, and this goes to all tournament, especially that semifinal match against Batista Goop, but that approaching forehand was unreal. And he could win the 50-shot rallies where it feels like he can just yell out in the middle of the point, I could do this all day. But he was ending points a lot quicker, even against Fed. was getting the net, was great. The other moment in the match was the 11-all game. Because if Fed breaks there, and there's a lot of drama in that one, Oh, I already lived it once, Mitch. Oh. 
The crowd's cheering. Fed's a little upset because they didn't hear his challenge at first. He's getting the break on every challenge. Yeah. Like, to the oh, point where you think they might be throwing all the graphics. Yeah, it's in, it's in, it's out, it's out. <laughs> oh, man. I, I wasn't, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I wasn't rooting for an injury. I obviously don't want that to go down. <laughs> but if they would have, you know, given Joker a game penalty in the, <laughs> when he smashed that punch, oh, I would have been against it. If Curios did that, that's an immediate code violation. Hey, we got safety to think of. It's dangerous or dangerous, oh, as Nadal says. <laughs> dangerous. Impossible. Five. The reason why I said this might be the best tennis of Joker's career, he's had better individual years. Yeah. 41 straight matches in 2011. 11 and 15 were 15 stuff to beat. 11 but, was started. But look what the year. he's doing this year. I mean, I go one year to the next. This is, this is depending on how number finish. one. If he he's got to win because 15 Open. to early 16, and then the wheel started to really come off. And I mean, he still was finishing, you know, U.S. Open final and yeah. final other tournaments. Win the U.S. Open or at least make it to the final, and then win a couple other Masters and just continue to shred. I mean, we're talking <laughs> four of the last five. It's or five of the last six. Man. I mean, four of the last six. I should say it's uh, it's crazy. You heard what he said after the match too. Like I'm coming for number one overall in history. So he knows what his goal is now. And Joker with a goal is scary. They've never been closer to Fed collectively in the major total. Oh. I look at this loss. I'm trying to put the positive for the Fed side of it. This is why it sucks reliving it and sucks thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. But if he would have gotten just obliterated or convincingly beat, I think that'd be worse because we'd be like, oh, another major for Joker. Did yeah. it pretty handily. If it was a four straight, just boom. Uh, I, you know, because like, it, I'm not saying he's got five years left in him, but he's still, the way he was moving, some of the shots he was hitting. It hurt. It would hurt differently. I would still take Fed losing here over getting obliterated. Right, right. Well, there's still some hope. Like, it's not... Yeah, look how you, close he was. Well, I mean, you don't know. That's it. Like you don't know with athletes. Well, if Djokovic is the best player in the world right now. Look how that's, close Fed that's is. Two or three, depending on the surface. I mean, yeah. once we get back to the hard courts, it'll be interesting to see. You what got happens. all the young guys that are just zero confidence whatsoever. Yeah. Can't now. play on the clay or the grass. I, I wonder if you'll see in like five years those guys will finally start to figure it out. Sitsipas has done nothing on grass. I yeah, that's a weird one for me. I almost feel. Huh. His style should be better. Do you feel like he might be burning himself out a little bit on the clay? It, Could it's, be. It's I mean, a beast he, yeah. of a, it's a, it's a, such a short season on grass yeah. that I almost wonder, you know, he went three sets with Nadal. He had that epic match with Stan. And then you jump back into it. I know he's a well-conditioned athlete, but you got to – it kind of takes time to It's like Dominic team playing every single week. Joker won his first Wimbledon at like 23, 24. Yeah. I don't remember him having a lot of success before then. No. It takes some time. You know, I, I think especially most. especially grass where you're only on it a couple weeks a year, probably only practicing a week or two before that anyway. If we're talking like grand slams, I mean, obviously Joker's the odds-on favorite. I think right now to pass Fed and what's your number though? What does Joker end with? I would. Do you want me to you want me to do it as what would I set the line at right now? And yeah, yeah, do it that way. Twenty and a half is the line. Over. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. I think there's we no way know. he doesn't get 20. Okay. Unless he gets injured and doesn't play anymore. 20 ties 21 to, to be. Okay. I think he could finish with 24. That Yeah, that's see. Think about that. But you can't. 
I see what we're saying here, but we're, we're still on the assumption that nobody's going to break through and that there won't be That's any true. drop off for Joker. Well, Djokovic's game health is, is so much based. Too. I mean, yeah. health has been. He has missed time. He has been banged up. Uh, I just want to know how many Wimbledons does he end up with because he has five right Man. now. If he keeps playing the way he's played, he could have eight, seven, eight. And win, Nid- win two or three more. And Nadal. Nadal doesn't win. Does another Nadal win another major outside the French? No. What's more likely, Nadal? Because what's more likely? Who's more likely to be the first player ever? Obviously, I'm not putting Fed in there <laughs> to win all the majors twice. Joker's a French away. Nadal's an Aussie, and Fred's a French. But I just don't think. Yeah, there's no play. way. Fred. I, don't I think mean, he's he... playing it again. I think that no, was no, that was song. it. That was the swan song. It got him ready for the grass court season. But mm-hmm. what's more likely? Probably Joker French. But then you got to think. How engaged is he going to be to actually win that one? I say Joker French is more likely. Yeah, but neither I don't like Rafa on hard courts. I don't like it. Got the finals, looked great, and then just got destroyed. <laughs> so, I mean, I see. Yeah, there's something in his head, I, man. Hard courts. He pulled out a nine hard court events last year. But it's against that guy. <laughs> it's against Joker on hard court. Yeah, exactly. I, but I still think Joker wins another French before Nadal gets an Aussie. I don't think either really happens. I don't. Really? Joker doesn't need to win the French. I think he's fine with just getting there and and, and not really going to, going to... I mean, he's a grass court legend now. I don't think he wins the French because he's chasing down two at each. I think he's doing it because he's chasing down Federer's number. So I think he wins one because he's we trying to get past We talk about the seasons, 20. how they change and how it's different. And I think he leaves a little in the tank for grass court season. Well, yeah, he said Wimbledon's his favorite. Wimbledon is yeah, his yeah. grass court season, yeah, but yeah. Gonna... Or Boodles, come on, he plays. Hey, we're at the culmination grass court season right now. New Newport, yeah, Newport, not Newport Beach, not Newport Beach in California, <laughs> Newport, Rhode Island. All right, we'll we'll wrap this this part of this on one thing. More majors for Fed? How many? One, two, zero. Uh, I'm gonna make you say zero if you believe it. Uh, I'll say this. Fed wins the Olympics, but doesn't win another major. Wow. 2020, the Unigo Olympics. Yeah. That's my that's my bet. I think they might rig it for him. They should. <laughs> Honestly, it's the only thing he's missing. Kafelnikov has a gold, and he's going to the Hall of Fame. Fed doesn't have a gold? Oh, he's got speaking doubles of rigging, gold. <laughs> speaking of rigging things, we, we, might, we, Boy, could, do a whole, we could do a whole other episode on that, and he's... If, it, if he's out there listening, he's paying great attention to the lines I just said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I would say one more. I'll say he'll win one more. I, Wimby? I'd like to see another U.S. Open, honestly. Like, Wimby's great, but it's been the longest drought. Longest drought, U.S. Open. It'd be fun, man. For the last one, kind of go out like Sampras did. He's just going to retire. Like, the, like I'm, I think we're in agreement. I don't think Fed wants a retirement tour. I don't think he wants to do no, a year no, of saying he, goodbye. Maybe when the tournament starts, he'll say this is my last one. But he strikes me as a guy that's just going to be like, we'll oh. know by Wimbledon. I think when it's his last year. You think if he's emotional after Wimbledon, like you no, can no. tell it was his last one, I think then we'll know. Well, fun fact about Federer: we know where he's going to retire. Oh, it's going to be Basel. He said that's he it. To. He's he retiring in Basel. That's it. So it's after the U.S. The Open. Ball kid there. He's got to. That's where he's retiring. So. He said, "As long as he as long as he's playing, that's where he'll be playing tennis." So, um, does also, that mean no ATP Finals that year? Then, if he's there, it does. It does. Wow, I think so. 
I mean, unless he ch- is he chasing 109? Is he, <laughs> hey, yeah, hey, he could hey, be. You know, it could he, he knows his history. All right, man, that was fun. We had to relive it. We'll see. Yeah. You know, brutal, brutal stuff. Uh, women's side. Simona Halep wins her first Wimbledon. Simona. We both thought that, I mean, we pretty much know, especially with the Hall of Fame. Two Grand Slams are automatically in. She was pretty much in already with the weeks at number one sure. and winning tournaments and, you know, got over the hump for one major and really set herself up. We think she should have more. Still just 27, but this is it. She's etched her legacy. Now it's like if, if her career were to suddenly end, it's not a disappointment. She's a Wimbledon champ, she's yeah. a French Open champ, spent all those weeks at number one. I think two is the legitimate majors count. That, that's how I look at it. I think so, but does that mean Osaka's a Hall of Famer now? Yeah, it does. I do. I think wow. so. Already a Hall of Famer. Now, it would be one of those where it wouldn't be a first ballot, like, and she's only 20 or whatever, but she won two, got to number one <laughs> yeah. in the world. Did Falmikov get to number one? I think he did, yeah. Yeah. Maybe for a couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, it helps put the time in, so I think now we're like, you know, at year 10 of her pro career. She beat Serena down. I picked her to win, but not like that. <laughs> that was the ultimate beatdown. 12 minutes in for love. Oof. I'll take that any day. It's funny to me how we had the same discussion last year going into the final. Like, everybody was like, Serena looks great. Draw broke for her. She, Wimbledon, best surface. Totally agree this is her best chance to yeah. win another major. When you don't play anybody, <laughs> and then your first... To step up in competition, I think she even noticed that in her post-match press conference where she said, I want to play more tournaments so I can get used to playing in finals. I think the truth in that is I need to be playing better competition. Yeah, yeah. I can't keep beating down these nobodies and expect to come out and wipe Simona Halep off the court. Is there a blueprint for how to beat her? As a, I mean, assuming you got the top end game. Get stuff back, key points in play, run her around? I think that's the key. Return the serve, just get the ball in play, and then get under pressure. Just start hitting the ball corner to corner. She's not great on the move anymore. Terrible at the net Takes, now. Oh, terrible at the net too. Just ha- have her moving in any direction, front, forward, side to side, any anything. It, it's, it's just incredible over the course of her career how many free points she's gotten based on her serve being amazing. That's it. And her return of weak second serves being amazing. If you can minimize those, and, and props to help for when they did happen, just keep your head up like, all right, that's one point. Yeah, you know it's going to happen. Being mentally tough is such a strong advantage, but that wasn't close. Like, it was not a close match. <laughs> not even a little bit close. I said It she- was nice to see, honestly, to see somebody go out there and, and not just watch Serena beat herself. You know, somebody that actually took it to her and beat her. Because so often a Serena loss is, oh, man, she was falling around the court. She was hitting unforced errors, this and that. Halep just won that match. That's yeah. all that was. She really did. Um... It was good to see. Didn't expect it to be grass court where she'd have a breakthrough like this, but no way. It was. I we'll mean, see if was... that opens the door to more majors too. I mean, we said this after the French, um... but it's happened now. She's won another one. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Look, this she is won the, the exact big same one. track that Muguruza had, where you win the French in the following year, you win the Wimbledon. Yeah. Because I do think there's something to. It's hard to immediately follow it up. Like you just became a major champion. Yeah. It, it's pretty tough. I like the fact that the pool of women's players is so deep now at the top. I should say much more deep than it has been. Yeah. That you have 8 to 12 women that I think can reasonably win a major. Yeah, I mean, we sh- if we're going to talk about that, we got to talk about Ash Barty losing to Allie Risk. That was a weird one. Weird, but Risk is a good grass court player. She, she is. is. And she Barty can't win every match. And, and Barty can't win every match. 
It was a weird one. It was. And Barty can play better. More of a natural grass court player. But is that a good thing for the WTA that there's 12, 12 women that can go out there and win? Is that a good thing a, or do you need champions? A, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, it... So that's what the ATP is going to be in probably five, six years. Could be more than 12, honestly. Yeah, you could have like 15 That's how it people. was, though. I mean, what we're seeing with men's tennis and what we saw with the Serena run is pretty rare that one woman just... Serena never really had a true rival. She just collected all those majors. Yeah. Her rival was Venus, basically. And the major she lost, she just self-destructed, and it was a tool out of first time running yeah. notes. The big three lasting as long as they have is just crazy. I didn't think Fed would be playing the 2016 Rio Olympics, let alone Tokyo. Connors, McEnroe, Wendell. I mean, Wendell might have had one after 30, but Connors or McEnroe didn't. You know, I mean, it's insane. I don't Remember Agassi breaking down as a 36-year-old? Oh, yeah. like 38 next month. And he can play till he's 40. I mean, why would you quit playing if you had a match with Djokovic that deep into the match showing really no signs of slowing down physically? I mean... If you're still there, Serena, why would you? Why would you quit? Serena I wouldn't. Serena is. I'm setting it at half over under major. She's winning. Yeah, it does not win another major. I took a lot of flack for saying she wouldn't when the comeback I'll started. But I'll say it again. Zero. Zero. I just. It's going to be Wimbledon or nowhere. I can't see her getting through a hard court tournament in this kind of shape. No, I mean she looked better than she did at the French. Physically, I think. But, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. The pressure of getting 24 is so big. And she's not the same player. Well, there are... There's I just a, don't see it. I don't I, see it. I don't have a problem with the talent pool being deep for the women because there's young players. And yeah, some will emerge. There's four majors a year. You'd like to think that there'll be multiple major winners. Halp's now got two. Osaka's got two. The other thing about the uh, Wimbledon on the women's side, how, how uh, Sloan Stevens just loses the count every time they play now. <laughs> every single time. Go, she actually looked good at the beginning of that match. and then Up a set. I don't know if it was a, definitely a set, and then just wheels come off. That's just a bad Lady matchup Joe. for her. Lady it's Joe. A, it's a very bad matchup for her. The new faces coming up. Anisimova, who... Didn't have the greatest Wimbledon, but still young coming. Yeah. And then, of course, Coco Goff. I'll, wow. I will wow. ask you this because we, we talked about it last week, the run, and then losing to the eventual champion. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's another yep. thing. Gets to the fourth round, but as a connoisseur of the tennis game and someone that I think knows what that word means, what's the next run for her? When are we going to see another deep run sooner rather than later because she is just 15. Well, I saw a story today that said the U.S. Open is trying to bend the rules and it seems like they're going to... to right, and explain, to, that, explain what that is, what the casual fan doesn't realize about using these wild cards. and. Well, they can give them to whoever they want, but there's a but thing, if you're, that, if you're that young, she's there's already, a certain amount of tournaments yeah. you can play and she's maxed out all those tournaments and commitments Which of what she's going to do. Which isn't even dumb. I mean, it's, no one expected this to happen. No, no, this is out of yeah. nowhere. But I think you need to bend the rules for players like this because they're once in a generation, I think. I, she's going to play the U.S. Open, and I bet you she wins two or three matches. Okay. A um, couple things. One being, I get why that rule is in place and why tour players that travel and grind for a living would be pissed off about that. Yeah. But it also it's the tournament's right to get the start in there. I think she should have a wild card qualifying. I would not put her right in the main draw. That's fair. I mean, she's that young. 
we're talking about the U.S. Open, and we're talking about the fact that you know, you're playing all year, especially the American players, to get the opportunity to play in there. And what first round? It's like fifty thousand to get to the first round. So, yeah. um, not that money's the big issue here, but but for some got, of those players, yeah, it is. For some I mean, of those players, it is. I would I would give her that into qualifying, and pretty soon. I don't, yeah, I don't hate that. I think everybody would be happy with that. Yeah. I want to see her. I want to see her play the nobodies of the WTA. I want to see her then get in the third, fourth round, have to play somebody big, and see what happens. Because she played well against Halep. She had Halep on the ropes a few points, a few games. Just a craftier, smarter, more more defined player. Just want to help. I mean, she's a major. She's champion. been around. She's won yeah. majors. I mean, like, I, I I was so surprised with what Coco Goff did. That was that was the so her cog match was insane to me because she was nowhere near her best. That was just total mental toughness. Two match points. I think down five two in the second, about and to go out in straights, and comes all the way back. And it's not a, it's not a diss, saying that it wasn't a great match. No, but it the fact wasn't that a great she match. grinded it out was impressive to me because a lot of players on their bad days. Down, it wasn't high quality. It was drama, high yeah. high drama, yeah. big time. It was really, we couldn't believe it. I, I mean, just sitting in the truck watching it, we couldn't believe that that was happening. And it's great for the game to have somebody that young come up. It was funny because Sunday's the best of day. And we were like, man, what are we going to do for this third one? And then that was just unfolding before our eyes. It's oh, like, well, show there you yourself, go. Dude. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the crowd in the, the sports bar in Delray Beach with all the old oh people in it. <laughs> I love it. I love the environment, but it's Florida. So, of course, it's not going to be yeah, a lot of young people know. popping in Delray at not quite. 5 o'clock on a Friday. Uh, such, such, good, uh, such good story. So, but I think... Her development, Annie Samova. I'd throw a, a Swigway in there, who I think a lot of yeah, people don't me, realize. Yeah. I think she's going to be one that's going to have a run. It's not going to surprise us if in the next year she has a run to the fourth round of a major. Definitely. There's some there's some names. It's good. The game's in pretty good hands for the women's side, I think. Especially, and I know we're biased, but the American youth side it's really coming is up. booming. And it's a credit to the USTA. It's a credit to IMG Academy. And it, honestly, it's a credit to college tennis, too, because we have good players from college now. So I think the, the future crop of, of the women coming up, great for America, great for the game. Um, the men, I mean, yeah. there's. I'll give there's a, a shout-out to Fritz. Fritz Taylor Fritz up, man. wins his first title on the grass. And, and huge shout-out that he actually played the clay, full clay yeah. season. A lot of Americans don't. He wanted to. He, he forced his team to let him play. Love that. That was impressive. I like Fritz. He's got a good. He's got a funky forehand, but he's he's good, man. He's finally kind of fulfilling his potential from when his first tournament he made the final against Nish in Memphis. So, do you have any picks, men's or women's side, for the breakout stars of uh, the summer in the cities? Oh, <laughs> nice tempo. Nice, nice tempo. Good. Nice. Screen um, content over here. I think you see sits upon. <laughs> that took a second to resonate. There you go. Sits, so sits upon. Sitsy, I think. It's where it all started last year. Yeah, and I, I mean, the guy has the game for hard courts. He beat Fed at Aussie, playing a great match. Beat Joker. Beat Zverev in that He has the, the game final. for hard courts. I think Zverev needs to do something. He's kind I'm of the almost guy that, you like, need. sabbatical time. Almost. Like, I think, he, like, after Wimbledon, he should have just gone to Joshua Tree for, like, a Oh, dude, yeah. Just clear your mind, bro. Just got to – I mean, there's there's holes in his game, but he's the number four. He won the ATP World Cup. He's been titles. really good. Like, he's a really, really – 2017, he made a run in the hard courts and won, like, 17 or 18 straight matches, won the DC title. 
and we thought he won Canada that year too. Yeah, yeah beat Fed. Beat in the Fed. Yeah, I mean that was and then US that Open was lost second round. Yeah, I think he's kind of quelled his demons a little bit. I think he realizes what he needs to do, but it's all mental. Tennis is so mental that that's the only thing keeping him back right now. He gets destroyed. He's an old veteran, but he gets destroyed in final sets. Yeah. Last year oh, at yeah. the major, we ran that stat where it was like he got bageled in two of them. Yep. And the other two, he lost like the last five games of the match. He just still. wasn't fit enough. I Men- don't know what Mentally, it is. physically, not there. What about Felix? Biggest Felix guy you'll ever got meet. Got a, for sure, Felix pops off. Wins a title, ball. for sure. Ooh. Wins He's a been title. close. Wins a title. He's been close. If not leading up to the U.S. Open, then somewhere in Asia, he'll win one. It yeah, might not be good. a big one, but he'll win a good pull as well. He's I top mean, 15 right now in the race to London, by the way. 15 mo- 15th most That's points. Insane. More Robbie season. Bats. It's been a career oh, year for him in the Ibiza 6. <laughs> Humberto, Humgito, Humgito. <laughs> oh, Roberto. Hey, we did. I want to give a shout out to one other guy. Tommy Fabs. Oh, T Fabs, man. Folger, the guy's five Robert. foot nothing and just knocking out fools. nothing. Gets Love wins two matches. Love him. Big Sitsipas and Isner. Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. Who are you, bro? <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. Tommy Fabs. On the, on the women's side, I think Osaka's going to get back to form. Oh, I yeah. do. I think this is a blip in the radar. I think she's a hardcore player at her finest. Definitely. And doesn't love the clay, doesn't love the grass. Learning how to play on those surfaces. She grew up playing on hard courts. There's a big question rolling around now. Does she play for Japan or the U.S.? At the Olympics. Saw that. But it's got to be Japan. I mean, Japanese player in Tokyo with isn't a real, with a serious a, chance is to it win a the huge, Olympics. Isn't it a huge from your intel? Is it a huge thing? Like it's 50 50? Because I She's haven't heard. She's been really coy about it. They, there was an interview yeah. in and an article that just got released, I think today or is getting released tomorrow, that she talks about you know, who she's going to play for. And she coyly said, uh, I think it'd be better if I just, like, don't tell you and just surprise you. It's like, it's okay, but Japan. it's got to be Japan. Like, think of, I, I think think of all the money you get if you if you make the semifinals or the final in Tokyo. You're in Japan, Japanese player. If you go and, and win it as an American, it's never going to be as big as no. if you even make the final as a Japanese player. They're going to go, they love their sports stars. They're going to go crazy for her. Nisha Corey made more money than Nadal last year. Think about that Not for a surprising. second. He's got to fly into Tokyo under a different name. That's how much they love him there. Wow. little inside info. A little inside <laughs> info. You remember in uh, 2005, 2006, when there was a story about a certain Novak Djokovic almost playing for Great Britain? <laughs> that story exists. <laughs> it almost happened. No. It almost happened. <laughs> Do research on it. There was arguments with, I think it was more leverage against the Serbian Tennis Federation. Like no way, dude. No, it could not have. It's, it was out there. Wow. Great that, Britain almost yeah, posted him. What if he's <laughs> the Great British, great. great Britain? And they still cheer Federer yeah. way more than him at, okay. at Wimbledon. What if he won the first Wimbledon since Fred Perry as a British? Now that guy. would be funny. <laughs> he would be him in 2011. No, or, he changed, or he changes citizenship now and he retroactively beat Murray. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. If Scotland officially defects, is Fred Perry back on? I think it should be. I almost think it almost shouldn't count that much. Uh, I, one, one other thing on Wimbledon, and, and I'm not, and obviously, like, in all due respect, as I say oh this, God, get ready go. for it. 
huge fan of the royal family. I get it. You know, I think Meghan, the Duchess of, Su- of Sussex, Meghan Markle, that's not an upgrade. That's basically like a downgrade for what she did. Like average level movie star. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's like now big level movie star, huge downgrade. Every, big downgrade. Even like being on Suits and whatever else she did on. <laughs> Not an upgrade to me. Uh, Sorry. Like, I'm glad you're happy and it's I fun. think much bo- more boring life, for sure. Right. Like, yeah. Just take, sit there and money take Money-wise, you're, you're, if you're able to get work for yourself as a working actor or actress, you're making really good money on your show like that. I'm sure she's getting paid well. Yeah. You're, you're doing more. You're having to grind more. But I'd rather do that and make the money than just sit around and you're not really ruling anything is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't see you as a duchess, Mitch. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Harry's a nice guy. No, I just don't think I could pull it off. It'd be really um, boring. You'd have to be really into it. Do we say the other big winner of Wimbledon? Woody Harrelson? Oh, man. That guy was on something, and it was amazing to watch. You could say that. Pims, are, Pims were flowing freely Woo! there. Pims. Big doubles fan. Big fan of Mahout getting hit in the man region. Oh, man. His face when that happened was amazing. How about him trying to get back into the royal box? So like respectful, but un, you can like, see so ignorant, disappointed. Like didn't like, know what was going on, but wanted to, and then tapped the guy in the back. Definitely was willing to pay him. But here's my thing: I think that was taken out of context, and I think that he was just trying to walk in like during a point or during a game. Not that he was kicked out of the royal box. No, no. Oh, people thought that happened. That's, yeah, that's what oh, no, blew up. No, They're no, like, no, oh, no. he got kicked no. out. It's a, it's a changeover rule, and he probably wasn't sure. Or he was too drunk to come back in. Like that's he not probably what it was. wasn't sure. Which is interesting too, because I wondered. Obviously, we know the answer now, but the royal box being a little higher up. Yeah. You see some of these tennis venues, they'll let you go higher up because it's not distracting. But I guess it is. I I personally think tennis players are a little soft in that regard. Oh, any noise, <laughs> any sound, any anything. And then, oh, oh, catch the catch the toss. Yeah, super French. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very French-like, but oh, what so can you French. say? Uh, this was fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was brutal. It was brutal. Hey, we, before we forget, there's one person to shout out. Our good friend Karen, listener of the show. Karen D. You know she's listening. This one's for you. It is. It is. We're in the we're in the dry sports time of the season, so we'll. Yeah, uh, we got baseball and. 250s tennis now. Got a British. I'm gonna watch the British Open. I call it the British Open, not the Open yeah. Championships, because I don't care. <laughs> oh Hopefully, an American wins. I'd love to see Brooks Koepka or Tiger just walking down oh, the. Oh, dude, green. Tiger always Tiger. Every time Tiger. I like Koepka now too, though, Kepka's because he just I doesn't like care and he's mentally strong. And, he rips the ball. Yeah, okay. or DJ, because you know that party's gonna be off the hook if Dustin Johnson wins. Oh boy. Watch out, Northern Ireland. <laughs> Ian, this was fun. We'll be chatting yeah. again sometime, probably around like the U.S. Open time yeah, I frame. Think so. so, thanks, Mike. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks for coming on. Huge thanks again to the Panda Ian Dunn for coming on today's show. And yes, while we are all the way through Wimbledon, three or four majors are done. There's still a lot of tennis left. The summer is always fun when we get to the hard court season. Still a lot to go for. U.S. Open will be here before we know it. A little over a month, so a lot to discuss there. Thanks again to Ian for stopping by. Next, it's time to talk with Ryan Souls about the hard Westbrook trade that keeps the NBA offseason rolling right along. What each team was thinking with that move. How, if any way, does it make the Rockets and the Thunder better? The Thunder are having some trouble trading Chris Paul. We talk about that. We talk about boxing. Pernell Whitaker's life as he tragically passed away this week. Manny Pacquiao fighting and some football news as we get closer to the start of the season. It's Ryan Souls now on the Money Mitch Effect.
All right, now the Money Mitch Effect. Friend of the show, longtime reoccurring guest, Ryan Souls, to talk some hoops, some boxing, some other stuff as well. Ryan, thanks for joining the program. Man, I'm happy to be here. Uh, happy to be doing it. We're getting there. We're getting to the point where we're, we were just talking about football season's almost there. Summer is fun to kind of have a little bit of a break, but we want we want football and we want to get back to the swing of things. So we're almost there, but got some NBA offseason, some boxing, some stuff to talk about. But, Ryan, the first thing you know we had wanted to bring up was the Chris Paul Westbrook trade from last week, and a number of things crossed my mind when this trade happened. I'm sure they did with you, but on the surface, after having some time to digest it, we're still not sure if or how Chris Paul can be moved again, if possible, from the Thunder. But what do you think went into both teams' minds making this trade, specifically Houston just really going for it in the short-term future? You know, you hear that Daryl Morey and Tillman Fertitta, you know, more, I think more Morey, but are just interested in, you know, stacking up as many stars as they can. And I think, you know, you're looking at a situation where Chris Paul, when he was going to make $47 million in three years, was going to be 37 years old. And not that Westbrook has that much of a better deal from the money standpoint, but he's four years younger. So when he's the age that Chris Paul is now, he'll be making at the top of that deal as opposed to what they're having with Chris, where he's had a few more injury concerns that's held him out, and who knows what he would look like at 37. So I think the Rockets were just in a, you know, doors open, no KD, Warriors, dynasty is done, we're as good as anybody, let's just try to keep the foot on the gas and see what we can do. And when when the news broke, you know, that Chris Paul and James Harden really weren't getting along. You know, you really couldn't just, quote-unquote, run it back. So they had to make moves. And, you know, obviously, Oklahoma City is just doing something completely different, or just amassing draft picks, but just from the Houston side. This is their best plea to win now, and they had no, – no one had any idea that Russell was going to be available to, like this. Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned the Durant injury and, and, and the Warriors breaking up because that essentially opened the door for a lot of teams to get aggressive. Uh-huh. But as far as whether or not this makes them better and, and makes them more suited, still not sure about that, but we know that what they had wasn't going to work. It Absolutely. had soured. Chris Paul was getting old. He was continuously getting injured, and Harden and Paul just weren't getting along. And there wasn't much they could do with the roster currently constructed outside of trying to trade Chris Paul. The only way to do that was to get back big salary in return and uh, have to give up some draft picks. They did that in the form of Russell Westbrook, a player more talented and younger, as you said. Um, but I, I just think this was, I don't want to say a Hail Mary, but definitely uh, definitely going for it. And we can talk about how Maury knows that those draft picks don't mean anything to him because he's not going to be there if they don't work out. I agree 100%. He's definitely not going to be there. I don't know if he'll be there after this season, to be honest with you. But getting back to Russell Westbrook, and th- this is no shade or uh, offense to him, but I think from a basketball IQ standpoint, you know, you're definitely getting less there by losing Chris Paul. But I think from an athletic standpoint, from a fast break standpoint, from a fact that besides Kevin Durant, Russell's really never been surrounded with shooters. So we're going to see an open lane for him. We're going to see him be able to get to the cup. 
but how is this going to work with who's playing off the ball and what times and how how do you close games? What's that lineup look like? Before I you know stop hogging the conversation, uh, where does the free throw percentage go? That's huge. Well, and Ryan, these are two of the most probably the two most ball dominant players we've ever seen. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's not exaggeration. I mean, the More advanced than metrics <laughs> are right up there. So. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see how this looks. Obviously, the the talent aspect is one thing. Westbrook is, it's crazy, Ryan. He's almost like on the verge now of being a little underrated, wouldn't mm-hmm. you say? Because like we, everyone started to acknowledge that last year he's not in that top six or seven class, maybe not even top ten. But he's but a he, top 20 player. Yeah, he's top 20, I'd say top 15 for sure. But because he's not in that discussion for top five anymore, we're wondering, like, oh, everyone thinks, oh, it's not like he can he can provide, and he certainly can. It's just a matter of also in D'Antoni's system. These are guys that I don't think D'Antoni ever would dream up and say, I want to coach players like this in Harden and Westbrook, I would say. No, not at all. And I think his, his system is really going to be tested going into this season because – Russell Westbrook is not going to stand in the corner and watch James Harden break down his one-on-one matchup. Or he'll just stand there and watch. I mean, he might exactly. literally just do that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, I, I think Gordon and P.J. Tucker and those players, it's like, how do you how do you play with a guy like that? Um, but look, man, he is a talent, and the West is open. And could I see this Rockets team winning a lot of regular season games? Absolutely. But we know from the years past from teams like Milwaukee and Denver last year that winning a lot in the regular season doesn't really mean that much. No. And when you get to the playoffs, if you don't have some variety in your game, mm-hmm. it's going to be easier to stop that type of team than others. So I think this is a, a – I wouldn't even say a, a really risky plea because what was the alternative? It just peters out anyway. So exactly. it's a, it's definitely a, a plea. It's definitely going for it, but I wouldn't say it's too crazy because it wasn't going to work out as is. And that's where I have to steer this to the other side, Ryan, because the Thunder went from you know a couple weeks ago being kind of stuck in the middle, not sure what to do luxury tax wise, to top you know fifteen players in the league, to now having neither of them and having all these draft picks, and essentially Presti has a decade to figure out how to get this team better. It's the new process, but as far as getting assets for top players, it doesn't get much better than this. I mean, you, can, you could say they might not have given, maybe shouldn't have given up as fast, but this is as much as they could have asked for for both these players. Oh, 100%. I mean, and I think, you know, some these picks, uh, some of them go to 2026, and, yeah. you know, it, it's reason plenty reason to believe that they won't have all these picks by the time we get there because i can see them flipping them and trying to turn them into pieces and you know you never know but this is this has been a haul for summer for sam presti and all i gotta say is with having kevin durant russell westbrook james harden who knows what's going to turn into these draft picks he better not mess this up he better not i mean he better not and i think I think honestly, Ryan, whether or not you trade Chris Paul, I mean, that's just going to be for tax purposes at this point. You have all these picks. I would actually go as far as to say that this is this is the ammunition. We don't know when the double draft is going to be. And there's still teams out there that might be in a situation. we got to see how all these teams finish. I know there's protections on this. 
But we saw what we didn't think was possible. We saw teams use ammo to move two for one up. There might be a situation where that's possible. Probably not in the top three or four. Like those picks are locked in. You'd be a fool to trade out of the quote-unquote surefire blue chipper. But the Thunder did this once before. You know, they they built through the draft and, and did this once before. So we'll see. I, I just think it, it's it's a weird end to a franchise. Russ met what an era, the first era really of Thunder basketball, because Russ was the entire there for the entire run and represented what that team was about. So it was a long run, but it didn't result in championships, which is kind of hard to believe. Yeah, I mean it is. It's crazy, and I don't know. You know, you maybe you point to trading Harden. Is it all going downhill from there? But with Kevin Durant, you're up three one against the Warriors, and yeah, you know, it is that's a turning point too. Yeah, I mean we can rehash the Harden trade. It was just probably a year too soon before they knew that they had to get him. I would have definitely run it back. I mean, look at Toronto in the short term, one year to go for it, and they won a title. Uh, it's hindsight to say, but. Here we go again, new era of Thunder basketball, so I just encourage their fans to be patient. But, you know, the West, Ryan, especially, and I guess you could say this for both conferences, but I'm intrigued, and I want to know your opinion on who do you think has the best chance to get the one seat in the Western Conference. Not be the best team, not exactly be the favorite to come out of the West, but who do you think is going to have the most wins in the regular season? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a not tough the, question. Cause, and here's why we ask this. I think everybody realizes this. Clippers, Lakers, maybe not built for the regular season. I don't think they are. No, I don't think they're built for the regular season. I think the ages on those guys all vary, but all of them, you know, excluding LeBron, you know, in last season, have had their injury issues. So I think we could definitely see some load management, as that was a big term last season, and just having these guys save themselves for the playoffs. I think Utah's got a chance to have a really good record. I think... Hmm. I'm going... I, I think my safe bet would be Denver. Denver has a really good chance as well. As well. Yeah. I mean, I want to see if they do anything with uh, you know, a few of these incoming buyouts like Iguodala. You know, if they can get him back. You know, he played there a few years ago. You know, and sure up some defense and just some veteran presence. I'm curious to see more of what they do. But no, they definitely could. I think they're they're probably the safe pick. Absolutely, love the Grant trade as well for them because Jeremy Grant, another Thunder guy that they had to kind of move on from, can be very very valuable to them and kind of be groomed in for the Millsap role, which he's there for probably one more year. And they've taken flyers on some guys, Porter Jr., Bull Bull, uh, that might pan out, might not, but they're not you know, joined at the hip to them. So I think as the regular season goes, Jokic gets better. Maybe Murray, you know, Murray got max money. You'd like to see him mm-hmm. step up, but they're one. Utah's another, but Utah might not be quite there yet uh, from a toughness standpoint. And does a team like Portland, do they make another move? Do you know, are there other teams out there that consider making the trade, trying to acquire someone? I think it's going to be a fun race in, in both conferences. The West, I think, has a lot of depth in it, but the East... East is going to be fascinating too, Ryan, because I'm still not quite sold on Philly as the favorite. <laughs> I'm still call me call me a little uh, questionable with this team lacking some shooting, including the guy they just gave 170 million dollars to. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm with you, and I think they they lack a ton of shooting, and like you said, Ben Simmons signing, but also losing JJ Redick. That's huge. I mean, a lot of times the offense was going through JJ Redick at points. 
I think, though, if they commit and, you know, depending on how Brett Brown coaches, they could be up there with the Clippers as the best defense in the NBA. And I think if something like that carrying into the playoffs, you know, we don't see Kawhi Leonard's miraculous game, seven shot, you know, the Sixers, you know, who knows, you know, where they could have gotten. But I think that Horford for Butler, if you're looking at it just like that, they take a lateral step because I think Butler is a better player. But I think because you lost Kawhi Leonard, because we don't know what Boston's going to look like, we still got to see how Brogdon and Oladipo work. Mm-hmm. This team kind of just de facto yeah. is that rival with Milwaukee, but they could be a top defense regardless of, of yeah. And and just on Milwaukee, I know they lost Brogdon, but there's room to improve even for Giannis, and and they could you know they could take a leap. Middleton could get a little better. Bledsoe, if he doesn't self-destruct again in the playoffs, I mean, that mm-hmm. team can be better. Uh, I agree with you to the point that I think Horford's going to give them something they didn't have. My problem with losing Jimmy Butler is now who's that alpha dog at the end of the game? Is it Ben Simmons? Because if you because if it is, okay, yeah, they're better. Like if Ben Simmons steps into that role, okay, they're a better team. But I got to see it first. You know, Absolutely. He, Jimmy Butler for his kind of crazy as he is for as dominant as he is both as an on-court personality and, and an off-court personality they needed mm-hmm. him to close games and that Kawhi shot last last year i should say this past su- spring bowler kept that sixers team in the game like he Absolutely. made the shot right before that without him i mean it's not happening so so we'll see i i, I think uh the sixers are right there and I think it'd be crazy to even count out the Celtics because Kemba's going to give them something and, and maybe the sum of their parts might be better without Kyrie this year. I mean, maybe. I mean, I think you can you can definitely, for that roster, look at addition by subtraction. But I think, you know, we've only seen Kemba Walker at his best being ball dominant. Now, he's never played with players, you know, other credible players, considering who that owner of that team he used to play for is. But... I think that this is a much, 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 much better version of Terry Rozier that they're getting in Boston. Uh, he's not as good as Kyrie. I would hope he so. Has, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, he's not as good as Kyrie, and he has a little, I think, a little higher usage than Kyrie. So I think he'll be more coachable, and he'll be able to play within Steven's system, but we've only seen Kimba at his best when he's a volume player. So that I think that just remains to be seen for me. It's going to be fascinating, Ryan. Uh, definitely something to look forward to. Basketball offseason is, uh, is crazy all the time. Ryan Soul's here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, some other news to talk about, switching sports, Ryan. I know the uh, news in the boxing world hit us pretty hard. That Pernell Sweet P. Whitaker passed away at the age of 55, car accident as he was walking. Uh, pretty sad situation. But we've been fans of boxing for a while, and Whitaker was – one of the greats, and uh, you know, it, it was a sad morning for both of us. But what are some of your memories and thoughts on uh, the passing of a true legend and one that maybe didn't quite get his just due in the public eyes? Yeah, you know, the the Pernell Whitaker in my life is interesting because you know his dominance was really around the same. He came into the the boxing game around the same years as Tyson, but because he wasn't a heavyweight, because he didn't have that persona, 
we didn't talk about the guy as much. And I say that all, all that to say, I really, as a child, you know, remember watching certain key heavyweight fights. But I didn't watch a ton of fights outside of that weight class. So I, I discovered Pernell Winokur later in age. And just the defensive mastermind he was, was just, it was incredible to watch him fight. And I hate that I didn't get to watch him more in his prime live uh, while he was here. But what just what an incredible fighter he was. Yeah, well, I'll say this. This, I mean, you know, we're we're both in that like thirty year old range, and uh, Pernell Whitaker fought Caesar Chavez in September mm-hmm. of ninety three, and that was one of the, the worst first draw. He was terrible. He won that fight, and he got screwed. Uh, but whatever. Uh, the reason I bring the reason I bring that up is because those are some of the first memories I have of watching boxing, getting mm-hmm. together, watching that fight, big family event to watch him fight, and you know, you you look at the tape. I think. This is what I was thinking about today with Pernell Whitaker and, and the fact that he was pound for pound one of the best ever. He was the pound for pound king for at least half a decade, maybe more. Um, defensive style, the way he fought, how he fought great, but with his hand speed and also with his head speed being so close to the fighters but still managing to avoid getting hit. He was a gold medalist in the Olympics. He had a lot of accomplishments and uh, really was the one that springboarded the careers of an Oscar De La Hoya and a, and a Felix Trinidad fighting them late. But this is what I was thinking, Ryan. This was a generation that a lot of young people don't really understand. Boxing wasn't, you know, it was Mike Tyson back then, but people didn't mm-hmm. pay attention much to the middle and welterweights. When I look at Pernell Whitaker, I was thinking of stories from yesteryears of other athletes that we didn't get to see. And I think about a guy like Gail Sayers where, you know, mm-hmm. when you look at his stats and he didn't fight that long, you know, didn't have a career similar to lengthy career, similar to Whitaker, didn't really do the best job of, of taking care of himself and fighting later into his 30s, okay. which but happens four, to a lot of fighters. 48 fights, 48 total fights, I think. You know, and, and it's a lot. He fought a lot early. He, you know, he had a lot of losses late, but I just think that a lot of people didn't see him fight. So a lot of generations aren't going to, you know, future generations might not understand just how good and how dominant he was. And I brought up Gail Sayers because we can look at numbers and stats and be like, this looked like a good player. But you remember talking to people that were around back then, older folks that were around and they say, no, this is the top three, four running back ever. They were alive to see it. And I'm glad we have YouTube of his fights and ESPN has a good fight library of what he was able to accomplish. But I'm encouraging everybody to watch this guy fight because he was an absolute legend and one of the all-time greats. He might not get remembered with the names, you know, the the Sugar Ray Leonard's, the Floyd Mayweather's, those names. But in his prime, he could have beaten them. I fully believe that. It would have been a fight. It would have been great to see. And he was as good as anyone we've seen in that weight class and, and beyond for pound to pound, in my opinion. I agree 100%. I, I think he would have beat Floyd Mayweather. I do. I do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... That's why you can't look wins and losses in boxing, right? I mean, he didn't yeah. fight De La Hoya until De La Hoya was on the way up. Whitaker was on the way down. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was not the same era. Um, it, this guy was good. I'm telling everybody out there, it was as good a fighter as you'll see. And uh, by all accounts, a great guy. You saw a lot of tributes in the boxing world. Tyson, you mentioned, was uh, was pretty hurt by his loss. But another one gone too soon, so... You know, and we we were just talking about some of the old fights and, and some of the great ones, but Whitaker had uh, had his hands on some great moments. Uh, oh, he did. History, absolutely. His De La Hoya fight is an incredible fight. Even if 
you know, and we love boxing, but we hate the way boxing is adjudicated. And if you can get past that, watching him fight uh, Cesar Chavez is pretty incredible, too. It was a great fight. It really was. Um, you know, definitely not the outcome we thought, but no, it is what it is. That's boxing for you. Uh, Ryan, before we kind of wrap this up, there's a good fight this weekend, uh, Pacquiao and Thurman. So I think that's one where Pacquiao's still going 40 years old, but this is a real test for him. Yeah, and that's that's what I was getting ready to say. Is this a good fight or is this a big name in a fight? Because so wait, I, so you th- so you're thinking that it, it, your question is is it going to be a good fight or is Pacquiao going to get beat? Exactly. Like, well, I, I don't like I don't. I think the Manny Pacquiao we know that it obviously isn't the same guy, but I just I just really wonder. Uh, where he's at right now, it just—I I, just—I don't want this to turn into a mm-hmm. Bernard Hopkins. You know, how, is this, does this guy just sticking around? Does he just keep doing it when he doesn't need to? I'm definitely watching the fight, but I'm just interested to see where he's at. Thurman's resume isn't the greatest, but he's still it's rising, not. so mm-hmm. it could be the case of that he is pretty young, so he'll he'll have a chance to improve upon that. You could say that about a lot of fighters. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's won the last couple of fights he's had, so yeah, we'll see. He, but just he is a little slower, and, and he does get too aggressive, and that leaves you vulnerable to get knocked out. So, absolutely. Uh, if he wins this one, though, Pacquiao beats Thurman. There's really only one fight left that I want to see, and that's Bud Crawford. And if he gets to that, I mean, I, obviously Crawford is the favorite, but that is a crazy fight that we would be seeing. In 2019, would, 2020, Pacquiao Crawford. <laughs> absolutely, that would be crazy. That would be. I'm still. Uh, I still have to get myself back in for Triple G Canelo three. I, I told myself I was out on it, but it looks like that's what we're gonna get. Yeah, I, just, I mean, I want to appoint the judges myself. <laughs> I agree, a hundred percent. Just yeah, this is this is terrible. Like I, and this it's always been like this. The sport's always been like this. Well, Ryan, we haven't talked since uh, the heavyweight upset of at least 10 to 15 years, which was Ruiz over Joshua, and it's just thrown the entire heavyweight division upside down. Um, but it gives us some fights. Now, I, I understand that they're like boxing super fights are ruined. I want to point out that Ruiz only had one loss before this, and it was a split mm-hmm. decision. So... If Ruiz Joshua 2 is great, then we get a trilogy, a heavyweight trilogy, so that's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the worst. No, it's not. And it's not and, and here's why I'm putting a positive spin on it. We had to bide time until we got to Fury uh, Wilder rematch anyway, so this is good. Mm-hmm. Now it's almost like semifinals for the greatest heavyweight of development. It is. It is because, I mean, I, I want to see uh, any of these guys. I just like watching Tyson Fury fight, so I just want to see any of these guys fight him. Yeah, we, we, I think we're in agreement, Ryan. He's the best heavyweight. I mean, he he's the best boxer for sure. He, I mean, anyone can is. get knocked out, but as far as mm-hmm. boxing, pure boxing goes, it's him. He a hundred percent. I miss, you know what? And I wish uh, I wish Andre Ward was still around because I'd love to see those two fight. Ooh, Andre Ward! I <laughs> I like Andre <laughs> Ward, man, but he's not a heavyweight. He's not. He's not. But he's he's fought. He's cl- in the. Um, he could go to. He does. He can he go fight, to. He, 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 no, he can go to, to cruiserweight. Okay. 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 And, you know, and that's and. Honestly, Wilder is the only one weight-wise that could probably would have fought him at a catch fight there. I have a, I have a hard time believing Ward would want any of Wilder's power, but 
I mean, maybe that's the that's the closest to Roy Jones. I just want to point out what Roy Jones yeah, did is. because we're talking oh, yeah. about this. Yeah, like, he's he's one sixty eight. I I don't know why I was thinking he was closer to two hundred pounds. I think he could get to cruiserweight though. But yeah, I mean, yeah, isn't it crazy that we're talking like this and Roy Jones did it? So oh, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but I think uh, Joshua, when he gets his rematch, has got to show more heart because that was the disappointing thing. Not that he got caught not that he got wobbled he just didn't look like he had the yeah he didn't like he was in the fight anymore yeah not what you want to see but boxing i think's in an all right place and i'm glad we're able to see some some high quality fights i wish there was any competition for lomachenko because he's the pound for pound guy right now for me he is but yeah there's nobody out there nobody just beats him all too fast yeah he does there's nobody out there all right ryan souls before we before we say goodbye one last thing what are you looking for for football season has anything got you all excited anything you're waiting on seeing as we get ready for camp to start here i'm interested to watch your team i think that's the the low-hanging fruit so i'm interested to see how that all unfolds but i'm curious to see lamar jackson in his second year uh how's how are they going to build around him I'm, i'm really curious to see that but the big thing for me is who is going to come out of the NFC period. Who's going to challenge New England? Because we know they're coming out. (laughs) You're already locked in on the Patriots back in the Super Bowl? Oh, I mean, here's the thing. Chiefs can give it to them. That's about it, though, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the Chiefs can give it to them. And I forgot who brought this up, but there's no other guarantee in the NFL besides that they're going to win the AFC East every year. (laughs) And and the fact that they are just gift-wrapped that division you know, it almost earns them home field throughout the playoffs almost every year. So you get home field, you're almost guaranteed a buy, and all they got to do is win one or two games. Remember the Super Bowl again. Yeah. yeah. I would say Chiefs can give them, a, give them a threat, but, yeah, that division is just ridiculously weak year yeah. after year. Chiefs can give them a threat if Tyreek Hill is around for the postseason for them. Mm, yeah, that's a, that, that as the wheels yeah. turn there. I think the Saints are still a team that, you know, hasn't been able to get over the hump for <laughs> some interesting ways to lose. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, you know, the Browns are going to be fun, but I'm interested to see your team because there's a uh, there's a new QB, an officially one QB man Official. show right now. So yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes as well. Mm-hmm. But and I think Deshaun Jackson's gonna help. It might be the best thing to happen to Carson. Yeah. And we can't forget about this too, Ryan. Hard knocks with the Raiders. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be incredible. Yeah, what a big booming business, right? Is, is that his motto? Uh, <laughs> Antonio Brown. This is a uh, this is a real chance for him to just kind of rehabilitate his image, but I don't think he's gonna take it. I think we're gonna see more well, of the same. Listen, if he goes out and has twelve hundred yards, we're gonna be saying the exact thing, same things we're saying now, but he's just going to be in a position of I'm right. <laughs> and he, he'll be totally wrong uh, character-wise. But he'll be in the right because we would have we all gone out there and said, well, he can't he might not be able to thrive with a lesser quarterback, this and that. And if he goes out and lights it up again, in his eyes, we all look stupid. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to see what happens. The uh, Raiders, hard knocks, incredible. Yeah, Ryan yeah this Soles, is yeah. Go just for this. Yeah, <laughs> you should. We all, we all should definitely. If you're not, you got to watch this. All right, Ryan Souls, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Always a pleasure chatting sports with you. 
Thank you, man. Appreciate you. And that's it for today's show. Huge thanks to both guests, Ian Dunn and Ryan Souls. A reminder that you can find every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Check us out on Facebook, The Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. And I'm on Twitter, Money Mitch M21. Enjoy the weekend of sports. You got the British Open, and you got some baseball as well. The Open Championships are getting started as we speak. And the baseball season keeps on grinding along as we're getting ready to have the trade deadline here in a couple of days week and a half or so and then here we go for the road to October football season's on the way though next week there won't be a show I'll be on vacation but week after that it's show number 200 so a lot to to break down and reminisce about on that one I'm Mitch Michaels this was the money Mitch effect until next time keep enjoying sports